This is episode number 102 of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this episode, we have Josh Harrison and his brother, Vince Harrison. I think uh, everyone's going to really, really enjoy these, and it's going to be a little bit of a different type of episode because we're getting someone who is actually inside professional baseball in an organization as a player in Josh and as a coach in Vince. So I th- I'm always really intrigued to uh, talk to players who are in the big leagues and just kind of get a feel for what they think of all the, the data and analytics. And I think it's going to be interesting because uh, Josh is, is someone who's been in the big leagues for several years now. So he's kind of seen it from both spectrums. Um, and in the opposite case for Vince as a coach um, who uh, who came up as a player and and played and is now coaching and being able to use the, the data and analytics to help his players. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Blast Motion. Blast Motion is a bat sensor you put on the end of your bat. It tracks how long you're on playing with the pitch for, attack angle, time to contact, bat speed. It's the most uh, most efficient, cost-effective, and efficient uh, tool that you can use to help your players Um improve their game on their own so head on over to blastmotion.com and type in code pjb25 for 25 dollars off and here is josh and vince harrison All right, we are now live with Josh Harrison and Vince Harrison. Um, really appreciate you guys coming on today. Thank you for having us, brother. How are you doing? Good, man, good. So, Vince, first question is is kind of geared towards you. Uh, I remember Josh telling me in the past how you were actually the better player growing up. Someone who has dealt with injuries, like as is yourself, and now that you're you're coaching now, like how do you tell players who are going through maybe like the rehab process or, or just dealing with injuries to like get through it? Well, the main thing we always try to talk about is make sure they maintain that routine. And, you know, a big thing that probably wasn't focused on when I was playing was just activating before they actually go out and do any activity. So one of the things that I've really harped on with my players is to make sure that before they jump into any cage routine, whether it's just early work or even going to get ground balls before the guys get there is they have to go see the uh, strength coach and the trainer to make sure that they are properly activated. So, you know, that's like one of the things that has turned out to be a really good thing because, you know, traditionally it's like if you got to be somewhere at two 30, you show up 10 minutes early and you just kind of get there and ready where now we're saying, if you got something at two 30, make sure you use those 10 minutes prior to to work with the trainer or the strength coach. And so at 2.30, you're ready to jump in just as if it were the game. So it's just been one of my main focuses to try to help prevent injury, but also just kind of create a good habit and routine. So when you were back playing, I know you got hurt for a couple of years and you actually went back to Princeton High School where you went and coached Josh. And did you ever think that he would become like a major league player when you were coaching him in high school? Well, I, I think there was always that brother in me that, that looked outside of, you know, just him being my brother and, you know, having been in the midst of playing and knowing the ability of players. And, you know, I, I thought he had, a, I think his feeling was, was untouched. You know, I think he, there was, you know, did I think he would be a big league all-star? I don't know. I don't know if anybody ever sees that. You know, usually when you think big league all-star off the jump, it's, they fit the body type, you know, they look they check off all the boxes where 
this guy was barely recruited. And my deal was just like, how's this guy not good enough to be seen in college? And so seeing him go, you know, through the grind, which when I was actually rehabbing, he can tell you that, you know, during spring break and like other times where most high school kids are just showing up to the field, we were getting the field early. We were working out. I was basically putting him through what I would have been doing had I not been injured. And, you know, he actually like accepted it and embraced it. So then I saw, I saw a different mindset in him, which I knew the physical ability was there, but I knew he would do well at the next level. And then I knew he would get a shot at, you know, playing pro ball. So to say I saw him being a big league all-star, I think that didn't happen until he actually got in the pro ball. And, and he can tell you the story about it was 2014. He called me beginning of the year. He was in the big leagues, but he wasn't getting his ABs. And I'm like, dude, you got to the big leagues. And I said, you'd rather be in AAA playing or you going to be in the big leagues waiting for your opportunity? And he's like, uh, I'd rather be in the big leagues. I said, well, listen, you just watched me rehab for two years, and all I've been waiting for is an opportunity. So I'm telling you to embrace your opportunity and start grinding out that AB. You're going to get a pinch hit AB, and it's the National League. And I said, dude, we'll laugh about this one day. And <laughs> one day ended up being a couple months later in June. So, wow. so I, I think – to go back to high school to say I saw it. No, I saw the potential in a, in a college guy with a chance to be a pro player. And then once he became a pro and, you know, the workload and the, the preparation and off season training wasn't anything new to him, I knew he would excel. So, so to say I saw it kind of, but then I saw it happen more as it, as he progressed. So. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome, awesome story right there. Josh, when you were getting, uh, or I guess when you weren't getting recruited in high school, um, could you just kind of talk a little bit about that process? Just because we got a lot of you know high school kids listening to this who you know want to go play at a big time school and maybe they aren't getting recruited at all. Oh yeah, man! I, I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, you know, senior year, everybody's getting excited. Last year, um, everybody's starting to figure out where they're going to school. Guys are already doing you know the fall signing. I'm in the fall. I got no offers, no source talking go through, you know, high school ball, and, I mean, I'm playing May. We're a month away from graduating, and I'm still playing the way that I am, not really, you know, hearing anything. Everybody kept asking where I was going to go, and my first thought was I was going to a JUCO. I probably would have ended up at Wabash in Illinois, but they were the only one really looking at me, and it wasn't because of my grades. I was on a road student, but I was like, to play baseball, the only look I'm getting is at this one JUCO. And then as soon as we got to the playoffs, we beat Miami, Berg, and Moeller down at Mark Shots. Next thing I know, floodgates kind of opened. UC, Indiana, NKU, all these schools started coming. And uh, ironically, the day that I signed my letter of intent was the same day that I graduated high school. Wow. Did you, did you ever doubt yourself? No, I never doubted myself. For me, it was a matter of saying all I wanted was a chance. And if I had to go to Wabash or JUCO, that was going to be my one chance. And I was going to make the most of it. So, uh, yeah, it can be frustrating at times. But uh, all I can control is me going out and getting ready for whatever may arise. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Now, in, in this day and age, like in the game of baseball, like technology is really being, you know, really emphasized a lot. And I think it's interesting to have – both of you guys on who are in an organization and you know it doesn't really it matters somewhat to what the outside people say but it's really at the end of the day is you know can you apply that to tech not to the actual game itself so vince like when you are working with hitters how does like do you use actually technology to help guys or is it just more of a feel thing 
No, the analytics is definitely become a big part of the game. Um, we use a lot of data to to try to figure out scouting reports for pitchers. Um, a lot of the times with the hitters, when we use them, it's more about helping them understand what a guy's go-to pitch is, uh, what his pitch he's most comfortable with. Um, we use it that way. And then on the offensive side, you know, we try to use those numbers to help them realize that maybe, you know, where, where they're thinking I'm not hitting the ball well, well, we can tell them, you know what, you know, you're, you're averaging your, your exit velo on a certain pitch that you think like you remember as hitters, we always remember the results where, you know, sometimes those results don't happen. You may line out and think I suck on an inside pitch when in reality you smoke that inside pitch more than you think you've just made more outs. And so in the back of your mind, you think you're deficient on that pitch and guys either get passive on it or get discouraged by it. And so we kind of use the numbers in a sense like that. Well, listen, you can get to that pitch. You do it often. You just haven't had, you know, results. That doesn't mean you aren't good at that. You know, with the way shifts are being played and, you know, the way pitchers miss their spots, you know, that doesn't mean get off that pitch. Just stay aggressive on it. You know, we got to be careful because of now there's so much information out there and, Guys are going to use what they want, and, you know, guys have off-season hitting coaches versus uh, just the coaches in season, which a lot of us grew up having. Um, so the players are smarter now. They're they're way more involved in their careers. There's video. There's all kinds of academies and swing coaches and Twitter profiles that the guys can get information from. So what we try to do is help the guys understand which is going to work the best for them and, and try to match it up with the individual's uh, ability and, and make them the best version of themselves. Josh, uh, same question for you. As a player, do you use any type of technology or information to help you? Well, that's a good question. Just to go along with what my brother says, the individual, I think, is the most important piece in this. It's fine to get numbers and data and all this information, but somebody needs to understand what that means to them and apply it to themselves. That's why I'm a blend. I'm like an old school player in a new school game, but I can play both because I trust my instincts and my eyes and my feel more than I would trust a number or a data. But on the flip side, my instincts and feel sometimes match up with those numbers. So a lot of it is, like my brother said, is taking that data to apply it to the individual and just not as a whole. Because uh, there, there can be times you feel like on certain pitches or whatever, like, man, I, I'm not feeling good on this one. And they can go back and say, you know what, what you're feeling is correct. You are missing that pitch. Or, you know what, no, you're hammering that pitch. You're just not getting the result, as my brother would say. So I think you got to be careful in, in how it's applied because I don't think it necessarily tells the full story because baseball is still a game that is filled in instincts. And that's one thing that cannot be taught. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the game is going so far to tech. It's maybe probably going too far. I think it'll even out kind of in the middle. Um, Josh, when you're not feeling good in the box, is there a, or, or maybe your mechanics are off. Is there a certain couple of drills that you like to do to kind of get yourself back on track? There used to be a few drills that I would do like the short bat, top hand, you know, bottom hand. But as I've progressed in my career, a lot of me knowing who I am and how my body works. I understand when I'm not in the right spot, when I'm going through a funk, a lot of times it's my setup. That's me personally. Like we feel like, oh man, my swing is this way. Your swing is the result of you being ready. And if you're ready on time and your swing is not on, then that's where you can do a mechanical change. But for me, a lot of it is feel. 
I know from the minute that I step in the box and I get in my batter stand, if I'm in the right spot. You can feel where you're like, man, something's not right. Do I need to drop my hands? Do I need to pull them back? Am I too wide? Am I too narrow? Setup for me is a lot. And I can tell a lot of times I don't have to chase looking for a certain swing because if I'm in the right spot athletically from the start, I'm going to get to where I want. Do you do you tell your? I know some guys they tell themselves like uh, I know if, I don't know if you saw Albert Pools the other day kind of say like you know he was thinking like he thinks kind of like more knob to the ball like do you tell yourself anything like that? Um, I've had yeah. some hand injuries uh, being hit by ninety six yeah. mile an hour pitches, so uh, that's been one of my struggles keeping my hands tight to me inside my body because I've been hit a little bit, so my hands have been kind of playing devil's advocate. They've kind of been floating. But uh, that's one thing that I've kind of worked on this offseason, actually been hitting with my brothers, just staying connected, staying tight, and pretty much, you know, keeping that knot inside the ball. Because from there, I can deliver my barrel to where I want. But if my hands get away and my barrel and my knobs outside the ball, I'm trying to redirect my swing, trying to manipulate it. And the point is to get the point A to point B as quick as I can and to be as strong as I can. But um, like I said, this offseason, I've been, you know, that's what I've been working on a lot because I've had, you know, some broken hands, just trying to get the feel back to them working together because, you know, coming back from that, you can compensate without knowing and, you know, change your grip, you change your swing, all of that. So uh, that's a really good point because, I mean, if you're inside the ball, you, you got a good chance of delivering your swing the right way. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes 100% sense. Uh, Vince, is there are there certain drills that you like to do with your players during the season? Uh, kind of like what Josh was just saying is um, – you know, one of the big things with the, the minor leaguers is trying to teach these guys to, to develop a routine. And so when they develop a routine, it gives them, you know, it's some individualized where it, where it focuses on the things that they need to work on instead of trying to make it, you know, a cookie cutter deal. So everything that they do on a daily basis is kind of individualized as far as their routine to what they need to do to help give them their best opportunity to swing. So as far as a drill, it tends to be based on the individual's needs, uh, trying to maximize their strengths with uh, maybe trying to figure out why they're making outs or not driving the ball as often as possible. And then these guys are visual now, so we, we have an incredible video department. So a lot of the guys will do some video work and then notice something in their setup or we'll, we'll watch and break down the swing and then, you know, we'll see something in the setup or the way their hands were compared to when they were hitting well. And so as far as drills, you know, back in the day without video, it was kind of like, hey, let's go to this drill to help you get quicker. or Let's go to this drill to help you use your lower half. Now we've got so many tools where, you know, we get the guy in the video room and then we go to their routine. And then by the time they're actually taking BP, we've probably figured out, you know, the best plan of attack, but it's not always just that one way. Gotcha. Yeah, that make that makes sense. Um, this is a this is another question I I got. Um, someone sent this in. Do you guys think batting practice, like you know, getting on getting out there and and just seeing like Josh? I guess this first one will be for you. Is that kind of overrated in a sense where you know hitting thirty five mile an hour BP versus and then like a couple hours later hitting ninety? For me personally, I don't want to say it's overrated. <laughs> but uh, sometimes uh, I think BP can cause bad habits, you know, but it is nice to see the ball travel. As you get to the big leagues, you know, everywhere you go, BP is timed. Okay, we got four groups, got to get it done in 12 minutes. And uh, sometimes 
I'll leave it at just, you know what, I'm doing my, my cage work today. I'm slowing it down. Because for me, I like to work at my own pace. So it goes to the individual. To somebody that's overrated, to somebody they need to see. For me, I'm, I'm more of a, I'd rather just have my time and just feel what I want to feel that way in the game. I just repeat everything that I've slowed down. Gotcha. What about what about using machines on the field? I, I like that in certain instances because uh, machines, I don't really do them all the time, but sometimes it's good to see velo, especially when, uh, you know, as you progress, you start to get pitched a certain way and it's like, you don't realize it, but you may be guessing on pitches and not realizing that you're hanging. So, like, say, for instance, my brother said, let's go to the video, man. You're in between fastball, off speed. And, you know, set up the velo machine, say, get ready for a fastball, and you're ready, and you whack them, and then they'll tell you, you know, hit some curveballs, and you'll immediately feel like, you know what, I have been trying to time this instead of being ready to hit. So sometimes the machine can just get you back and saying, you know what, get ready to hit, get my foot down. Let me react instead of trying to say, okay, I think a curve's coming, let me hang and time it, or a fastball's coming, let me hang and time it. That's when we're at our worst because you're not selling out to anything. You're in between. Gotcha. Vince, Vince, for you, when you're working with uh, some of the minor leaguers, do you ever have them like face um, face some high velo before the game, like on a machine on the field? Well, just kind of hitting on what you just asked him, the funny thing that you did ask about that is, we, uh, for the last couple of years, I've been with a couple of the same coaches. And what we basically did is we, we made machine on the field available every day. And then being in double A with some older guys last year, I think we'd been in a year we had four guys that had already played in the big leagues. And then throughout the year, we got a couple more that, that had already touched it. And so what we did is we, we put the machine out every day and made it an optional session just because guys need to see velo. Some days we would do a, a breaking ball machine, righty, lefty, mix it up. The point is we put it out there every day because like we were saying before, is like, you know, some guys, and I had a couple of guys that was just like, do I have to hit on the machine because I hate what it does to me? It throws off my time and it messes me up. And absolutely, no. You know, we want to make it optional. We want to make sure though that guys aren't getting comfortable hitting BP off of 45, 50 miles an hour and getting long swings. So, when we put that velo machine out there, you know, at worst case, it makes guys compete to get on time. May not give you the results, but, you know, so it's something we've done with the staff I've been with the last two years. We've done it every day, not so much on the road, but definitely at home. But we also took our little portable machine on the road and, you know, we get to some of those hot summer days in the Southern League last year and we would, you know, we would make BP optional, but we would still do that uh, optional um, machine on the field prior to our batting practice time. And then some guys would want to just get that optional time. And then some guys would actually want to hit BT. So as far as, you know, that being, and, you know, back in the day, it was 45 minutes, three coaches pitching and that was it. And machines were only brought out for curveballs. Now we're using the machine to our advantage and saying, you know, what it may, in some days we'll do it with BP, but at least we're giving these guys the option to do it every day. And um, like Josh says, sometimes they just, it, the hitters have to go off the field. If they don't feel good, then it doesn't matter what we're saying. So we're trying to help them find that feel. And the velo machine is kind of like the number one deal for, if you look at young hitters in pro ball, they, and most of them are just getting beat with fastballs, and it's not because they don't have the best piece. So it's something in their in their setup, in their swing, in their timing, whatever it is, that stops them from being as successful as often as they want to be. So that's why 
we have gone to the Velo machine and, and try to make it more available more often. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Gotcha. I, I want to add something on top of that, too. One thing that me and Vince have also done, too, uh, it's kind of how we hit that also helps with that. It's short LDP. Like, instead of being 35, 40 feet away, shorten up to like 20, 25. It's virtually saying VLO with an arm just from a shortened distance. And it's giving me VLO, but it's not VLO just because he's close. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's just things to do to, to quicken up your reaction time. So what we call what I usually call it is, hey, we're going to do competitive short tossing to be in the cages. So it's not just, hey, let me flip short. Let me show you overhand just so you can see the arm slot that I'm throwing it uh, just to make you feel comfortable. Now I'm throwing it a little bit harder, which is forcing the hitter to, to get on time, forcing him to start his low, get his foot down, whatever it is. But it's just quicker reaction time, which in reality is, the difference between 95 and 100 it's like it's just shorter reaction time not always all that's harder to hit so things you can do to stimulate those type of actions are always good uh josh this next one's for you pete rose said that uh it was easier for him to hit in the big leagues because of the lighting versus the minor leagues is that a fact or fiction <laughs> hey that's fact man i uh when I went back to rehab this past year with my broken hand, I went back to uh, my double-A affiliate, Altoona, and I spent the full year there, and I remember playing there. We won the Eastern Championship, and I kid you not, the first thing I noticed my first rehab game, I was like, hey, it's so hard to see. If you can hit down here, you can hit in the big leagues. Wow. Some parts are better than others, too, as you can imagine. Now, is the biggest difference between uh, minor league pitching and big league pitching is just they just – guys are more – throwers in the minor leagues versus actual pitchers and can locate um i don't want to say that completely because you you still have a lot of throwers in the big leagues as well true i I just think they they are more consistent with being able to execute you know stand with their strengths um a lot of times as as my brother has mentioned you know sometimes in the minor leagues they can pitch off a cookie cutter type of whatever and it's like sometimes you you just got to go strength on strength and i think that's the biggest difference is, is the confidence of, of guys going up there saying, you know what, if this is a game where we fail a lot, if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail by, by giving, going, going with my best pitch. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that's what most pitchers think. So sometimes guys can get scared away from fastballs because in the big leagues, you got to be able to hit a fastball. But um, one thing about it is guys are just more aggressive, I would say. Now, I know that you used to swing a 34, and then for a while you went down to a 33.75. Uh, inch bat, and I was wondering, is that because you're facing different pitchers, or is that just a feel thing? Uh, it was kind of a feel thing, man. After I broke my hand, I was actually compensating, putting more strain on my my top hand, so my bat didn't feel right. So I was like trying to find the right balance. So a lot of it was just me trying to compensate for my hand to where I felt I could whip the bat. Gotcha. Last question for both you guys. Um, Josh, who is the toughest pitcher you've ever faced? Um, there's some guys out there that, that are tough on the league that, you know, I, I don't mind facing because, as I've mentioned, they're aggressive. So sometimes tough pitcher can be somebody that gives you, gives you a wrinkle. And uh, honestly, one of the toughest guys for me when I first got up was this dude, Josh Coleman. So he threw like 86 miles an hour, but had the funkiest, like, pitcher motion. He threw from, like, behind his head because he grew up, like, throwing axes. So a lot of times it's about somebody being deceptive. And to me, it took me a couple at-bats 
until I got, you know, kind of adjusted to it. So I don't really want to say guys are tough because at the end of the day, if, if I'm in the right spot, I don't care who's out on the mound. I, I, I'm I'm going to get you. Love it. Love the confidence. Vince, uh, I know you're managing this year. You've been a hitting coach now for several years as well. Do you rather manage or be a hitting coach in the big leagues? Um, I think I would love to manage. I think I love all the opportunities to um, experience different aspects. I love the hitting stuff, and obviously that's always been a passion of mine. But, you know, getting a chance to, to work with other guys, I think being a fourth coach before I was a hitting coach and then being a hitting coach for four different guys, um, I think you start to get a feel of, you know, there's so many times during the games I would think if I was the manager, what would I do here? Um, and I got to experience that a little bit coaching Josh and him in high school where, you know, the head coach basically said, you run the show. Um, and, and I think there's something to it, but I think what I've also learned from being a hitting coach and a fourth coach is, you know, I think some of the best managers add value to their staff and make those guys feel valuable. And so I think I've just been fortunate enough to work with different personalities and different people in the way they plan where, I think I have a strong suit of relating with people and, um, you know, it's always been a goal of mine to, to build up the people around me just because I think if we can create a good atmosphere, then it makes everything better for everybody. And then you tend to get people to, you know, reach heights that they probably never thought they could or just go a little bit further than they would expect. So if I were to ever get the chance to coach in the big leagues, either one's going to be accepted, but I would, I would ultimately love to be manager first. Gotcha. I really appreciate both of you guys uh, coming on today. Thanks for having, Thanks for having us again, man.